1: You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This
2: is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Tonight, space pancakes for everyone. Yep, we're going to talk about some contactee stories from Eagle River, Wisconsin and Highbridge, New Jersey. All that and more on Small Town Secrets. (laughs) ¶¶ Secret, What is yours? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very delayed episode four of season seven of the main show. Sorry about that. I tried very hard. But the last week or so, last couple actually, have just not been going the way that I thought they were going to go. Not necessarily bad, actually not bad at all, but just just a uh, very in flux. So I had to delay this episode, it's coming out a little late, a week, but here I am and uh, no more, don't have to worry about it anymore, we're going to get the show out. I do have a couple housekeeping notes talk about real quick i have been mauling this decision over for a long time since like halfway through season six about streamlining the show a little bit and i kind of started that with this season by cutting down the local headline segment from three news stories to this to just two but i think after thinking about it long and hard over the last few days, I think it's time to just cut that entirely from the show to slim the show down a little bit. When I started this almost three years ago, I, I always had that in my head that I wanted the show to be about an hour long. And my only reasoning for that was I kind of like podcasts that are about an hour long. And I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. But now I've seen that I have enough data, especially from people who watch the episodes. I mean watch by like the little thing that dances because that's the only thing that moves. Watch the videos of the episodes on YouTube that unless you're like a listener, a subscriber, someone who sits down and listens to the show when it comes out week after week, you don't really go get into that section of the show. A lot of people drop off after the two main stories. So I've kind of come to the conclusion that the news segment just kills the momentum of the show. I don't have fun with it because I'm just reading news stories that most of the time are written kind of badly or they're on like news sites that have so many ads that it's just a terrible experience to try and get out. And uh, I don't know if everyone out there, most people out there really enjoy that segment anyway. And so I'm going to try here for a little while to just get rid of it. You know, we'll cut 10 or so minutes out of the show. It'll be a little bit of a shorter show. It'll be easier to consume. It will be a little quicker for me to get done. It will allow me to focus more on the other two segments that people do seem to enjoy more and maybe make those a little bit better maybe flesh those out a little bit. Uh, Maybe we'll do three, you know, listener stories, listener encounters, as opposed to two. I only have two tonight, but we'll see how that goes. So, I just want to let everyone know, if you see a little bit shorter of an episode, I don't even know. I'm just doing it. I don't know how long it's going to be. But now I'm rambling. I want to quit. I just want everyone to know. I'm going to try this out for a little bit. See how it goes. And uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. And everyone really likes the new segments. And the analytics are just weird. I'm reading them wrong. And maybe we'll bring it back. I don't think that's the case. And so, as I said in the beginning there, tonight is all about some contactee stories. People who have met and communicated, and in one of the stories, even given a gift by Beans from another world. Uh, we kind of did this once. I did talk about Georgia Damsky back in the day on an episode that was supposed to be about Men in Black, but my other Men in Black story I didn't do because it happened in a town that I had just done on a previous episode, so I kind of turned that episode on said and had to talk about a contactee back then. But this is pure contact stories. We're going to talk about Joe Simonton and uh, his space pancakes experience. And we're going to talk about a guy who may or may not have been the reincarnation of an alien himself, Howard Merger or Merger. I'm not sure if the G is hard or the G is soft. Never actually heard anybody say his name. Uh, those are the two stories. He's from Highbridge, New Jersey that is what we have for tonight that is what you had to look forward to so so you know what let's uh let's just get on with tonight's episode shall we
0: do you enjoy science spooky stories and all things paranormal we do too while we would love for most paranormal stories to be true we are here to tell you
1: that they probably aren't but that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about
0: we are the spooky science sisters podcast
1: Thank
0: you, and stay spooky.
2: Before we get into tonight's topics, I want to take a minute and let you know that there is so much more Small Town Secrets to enjoy. Check out the Patreon. There are one, two and three dollar tiers of support with stuff like a shout out on the main show, exclusive buttons and stickers, MP3s to the music I create. Also, an ad slash promo free version of the main show, as well as STS Backroads, the Patreon only podcast that comes out in the off weeks, which means you'll get content every week, all in your own RSS feed. There is all of this and more. To sign up, go to patreon.com slash stscast or stscast.com and click on the support tab. And now, on with tonight's episode. The small city of Eagle River is the county seat of Villas County, Wisconsin. It boasts a population of 1,398. Eagle River was the first Native American settlement in the area, and in 1961, it was the place to be if you needed alien space pancakes. At 11 a.m., or thereabouts, on April 18th of 1961, a chicken farmer named Joe Simonton was having a late breakfast when he had a run-in with some very strange passers-by. He was alerted by an odd noise while sitting in his kitchen. He described this noise as knobby tires on wet pavement. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Uh, A chicken farm in rural Wisconsin in 1961 probably didn't have a paved driveway. So it wasn't, I'm gonna go out and say, was not a normal noise to hear around the house. He decided to step outside and see what this noise was. He was not prepared for what he saw. In his front yard, he saw a brighter-than-chrome, quote-unquote, walnut-shaped craft. This UFO was around 12 feet high and 30 feet in diameter. The ship also seemed to have what Simonton described as exhaust pipes, seven inches in diameter, lining that kind of center ring, that center portion of the craft. As Joe took it all in, a hatch opened just above that center ring, and inside he saw three men. These beans were about five foot tall and had olive skin complexion. They wore skin bodysuits of some sort of woven fabric. These suits also had a hood that was very tight around the head. They resemble the type of clothing one would wear as, say, a flight suit, or maybe, maybe more to the point, one of those fireproof suits where they, you know, they're covering head to toe. Another great thing to think about is, like, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie, where they're doing the TV thing, the Mike TV part, and they're wearing those weird little jumpsuits that's going around the head. Something very much like that. Maybe that was too much, but one of those descriptions will get in your mind. It was at this moment when one of these beans popped out from the hatch, holding some type of pitcher or a, a jug, as it is commonly referred to when, other, when people tell the story. This container was the same color, that same chrome color, as the UFO. The bean then motioned Joe over, indicating that they needed water. It's possible that they actually communicated telepathically that they needed the water. Because through this whole ordeal, they never uttered a single word. Joe obliged and took the pitcher and filled it with water. When he returned it to the little man standing at the hatch, he got his first look inside the craft. Inside, Simonton described the interior as the color of wrought iron. He observed many dials, and instruments on panels. And he saw that they were cooking on something. Some sort of flameless grill or griddle. The beans noticed his interest in the food that they were preparing. Another bean gathered up some of this food and handed it to Simonton. Simonton called them pancakes. They were small, round, and filled with holes. Uh, They resembled a sponge or maybe more like coral they were brown with a char on the bottom much like normal pancakes they were still warm and so joe gave one a try he described the taste as bland and that they tasted like cardboard another good way that i'm thinking of now to kind of describe these and i there's a picture there's a very famous picture you'll find it everywhere but i'll pop it in the show notes uh they look like a big muncho. If anyone's ever had Muncho potato chips, which I believe are like, they, they're they potato chips, but they grind the potatoes up to make them into like a paste and then kind of flatten them out and make them a chip. So they're, they're, just, they're very airy and light. They've got a bunch of little holes in them. They look very much like that if they had bigger holes in them. A lot of great apt descriptions, uh, analogies that I'm making tonight on some of this stuff. But he got them, got four of them, and uh, didn't taste great. Cardboard. Who knew? Moments after receiving the pancakes, the bean at the hatch secured himself to the craft with some sort of harness that he attached to his belt. The hatch closed, and the craft rose 20 feet into the air, where it hovered for a few seconds. The UFO then took off like a shot, straight up, blasting Joe with a huge whoosh of air. This whole encounter lasted only five minutes or so somehow soon after the event the police showed up at simonton's farm they found no evidence of the encounter save for the four pancakes in joe simonton's hands the deputies along with the sheriff who joe had known for about 14 years at this point found that he seemed to be telling the truth and uh, by all accounts Joe was known as an honest man. Everybody that knew him, the sheriff, everybody around town, this guy wasn't one to make up stories. What makes this story more interesting, or more credible maybe to me, is uh, that there was a second witness to the craft. Savine Borjo, an insurance agent, was driving along Highway 70, and he would later come forward and say, he saw that same craft take off. And I like that because here we have a witness who, by anything that I found, didn't know Joe at all. This is a completely, you know, just, you know, a completely unrelated person who has no stake in this game whatsoever to come up and say, hey, I saw that thing take off. This guy's telling the truth. Uh, that's one of the things I like about the story. We have names of people, and we have, you know, we have some nice credible sources, some nice credible witnesses there to tell about it. But what? But what of the four pancakes? One was taken for analysis by none other than Dr. J. Allen Hynek. He sent it off to the Air Force Technical Intelligence Center, where it was determined that they were made with nothing more than cornmeal, salt, flour, hydrogenated oil, and grease. I guess there was a rumor floating about that they were made out of some unknown type of wheat, but alas, nothing weird. That doesn't mean that they aren't from another planet. They just are from a place that also has corn and salt and flour and oil and grease. So not necessarily a deal breaker, at least for me, but maybe a deal breaker for some other people. The second was given to a local judge, who also vouched for Simonton's story. The third was given to the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena, who we also call NICAP, who later turned it over to Alex Mabane, a researcher out of New York. And after that, I don't know what happened. I'm sure none of them are still surviving. Uh, And the last one, uh, Joe kept it. Joe kept the fourth and Final Pancake. Like many of these encounters, it made waves in the press for a week or two before dying down. And when asked about the encounter a couple of weeks later, Joe told the press, quote, if it happened again, I don't think I'd tell anybody about it. And there it is once again. He he sounds like he wasn't digging all the attention his story got him. So, do you look at that as a man who had this experience and wasn't looking to become rich and famous off of it? Because he didn't. The only thing he got was some air, some airplay in the press, and a weird pancake to show for his uh, efforts. Or did maybe he just maybe he did? And he bit off more than he can chew. I think that maybe it's maybe it's the first. I don't know if it's the latter this time. I really like this story. But you know what, that wasn't the only strange thing that was going on around Eagle River at the time. In February of 1961, so a few months before this happened, a B-47 bomber crashed about 60 miles north of Eagle River. And then on May 2nd, so now we're just like a week or two after the incident, another B-47 crashed in that same area, and I didn't put this in my notes, but I do remember reading about how the the pilot of that second one described that he felt like everything just went lighter than air for a little bit, and that the plane just started to just plummet, to just go down, and he had never experienced anything like it before. So Very weird. Then, on May 24th, so now we're a little bit over a month out, Eagle River was struck By a sudden and strange power outage. Were all these things related to Joe Simonton and his strange visitors? Maybe. The only thing I know for sure is I don't think I would like to try alien space pancakes. They just don't sound very good. No, I don't think I would like to try space pancakes. In fact, I have the recipe. I suppose I could try and make them and see how they come out. Uh meal with salt, flour, hydrated grease, and or hydrated oil and grease. I like this story. And really, this story, because it has pictures, like I said, it has names, it has dates, it has a witness to it that has no relation to anybody else in the story, which really I like. I cling on to that a lot. It has these these we have evidence, we have these things that came from somewhere, and they were all sent off for analysis. Granted, like three of the four, I don't really know if anything ever became of them. Like, I don't know what the judge did with his. Probably ate it. You know? I don't know what Joe did with his. I don't know. I I bet if I dug really, really deep, one of these is probably in like a a museum somewhere. But it has everything to make the story credible, at least in my eyes. Evidence, you know, his story didn't really change. We've got names. We've got. Cops and judges—they're like, no, this guy is—he's not a shyster, you know. Yeah, he lives alone on a chicken farm in the outside of town, but that doesn't make him a weirdo. By all accounts, he's a pretty normal, honest guy. And really, I wanted to do this story because it seems to have had a bit of a resurgence in, like, at least this year. Uh, I've seen people tweeting about it a lot. I know that if you follow Greg and Dana and all the hellier guys around Tyler made Greg some replica space pancakes, like prop space pancakes did a very good job. They look almost exactly that happened like back in the summer or something. Uh, If you order Tobias Whalen's new book from his website, you will get a sticker of the uh, space pancake UFO, which is an awesome like sticker. It's really reflective and it looks like it. And, says, like, we'll trade water for pancakes or something on it, like a bumper sticker. It's a cool sticker. So all this summer, I've been seeing the story pop up in just all over the place in different ways, and I thought, I want to do that story on the show. And so now I have. It's a fun story. It's just quirky enough to be... It's exactly what you want it to be. It's this quirky 1950s contactee story, but has a lot to look into it has a lot going for it that is it that is the story of the alien space pancakes and now let's move on to someone who uh may have been a bit more of an alien than they first appeared to be Highbridge is a borough located in Northwestern, New Jersey. There's not much to say about this little town unless of course, you count the stories of alien contactee Howard Menger. I think it's Menger. I think the G is hard. That's what I'm going to go with until I know otherwise. Howard's parents moved from the hustle and bustle of New York city to Highbridge, when he was just a small boy. And before the move, his life was fairly normal. It wasn't until after the family moved out to Highbridge that things began to happen. It started with being chased. As a preteen boy, Howard said that he would see strange objects flying around in the sky and that often these things would chase him in the fields behind his house. Reportedly his brother also saw these same craft. Years later, Howard was out exploring these fields and pastures when he came upon a gorgeous young woman. She was sitting atop a small boulder by a babbling brook. She spoke to him, but she spoke telepathically. Again, telepathically. She told him that she was not of this earth and that later in his life, he would meet another of her kind when he could better understand the situation. When he was 18, he enlisted in the military and said that he met many people from space. He claimed to have gone into space on UFOs on several occasions. He even had some, albeit questionably bad, pictures of the craft, and maybe even some from outside the windows of those crafts on his journeys. Murder. Even told stories of meeting the famous Venusian that lived among us in the 1950s, Valiant Thor, that he met him in his home in New Jersey. And uh, Valiant Thor just very quickly popped up in the 50s. This guy apparently was a Venusian. He could walk through walls, he could speak telepathically, uh, met with presidents and the military and everybody, and just kind of came. He's like, I'm here to talk some sense into you, silly humans. And uh, protect you from yourself. Uh, There might be a Backroads episode on Valiant Thor. I don't know if it'll be for this episode. I have uh, another contactee I want to talk about. But maybe in that off-season episode where it doesn't really have to adhere to any topic. uh, I I might do Valiant Thor for that. So we'll dig into him on a Backroads episode on the Patreon. Eventually I think. In 1956... Murger started appearing on the wildly popular late-night radio show hosted by Long John Nebel. Nebel's show broadcast out of New York from 1 to 5.30 in the morning every night. Every weekday night, I'm probably assuming. This was pretty much the precursor to uh, Coast to Coast. It was that first big popular kind of spooky late-night, you know, weird show. He would come on the show repeatedly and tell us all of the Venusians. They looked much like us, but were all much more handsome. Uh, They all had blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm. Uh, They were stronger and uh, smarter than the human race, but they were also much more even-tempered. Howard claimed that they were among us to help us with our moral compass and to help us search for our spiritual selves. Howard even wrote a book in 1959 about his many contactee experiences. He titled this book, From Outer Space to You, which is still around. You can get a Kindle version on it for like seven bucks. In this book, I believe it was in this book, I could be wrong. I didn't get a chance to sit down and read it. He revealed that he himself was indeed an alien, but had simply been reincarnated on this earth, how did he know this? Why, his new wife, of course. Her name was Connie Weber. Murger had met Connie during a TV interview, and as soon as he saw her, he recognized her as the sister of the woman he had seen sitting by the stream all those years ago. Connie. So that's what that's, I'm getting. I'm going to say it. Connie is a Venusian, everyone, or so they claimed. Connie also wrote a book, a year before Howard's book, actually, entitled My Satyrian Lover. It's this book that first mentions Howard being a reincarnated space alien from the stars, and uh, I think the title hints at Howard being from Saturn, since he's a Satyrian lover. So I'm, I don't know, I'm connecting some dots there. Of course, his claims were met with both praise from other contactees who had also said they've been talking to Venusians. If you want to go back, like I said, to the episode where we did talk about Georgia Damsky, that's who he said he was talking to, people from Venus, and that was kind of sweeping country at the time. There were a lot of people coming forward saying, we have also contacted people from Venus. And uh, I have a, one picture, a very famous picture of one of Howard's pictures of these craft. And if you look at it, this craft, this UFO, looks pretty much exactly like the Georgia Adamski UFOs as well. Not sure why, did he just copy that to make it seem like everything was cohesive or were these actually the way Venusian craft looks? Uh, I'll let you sit down and hash that out for yourself. But I guess, actually on that note, he also had more than his fair share of skeptics who said that his stories had uh, many holes, holes that you could drive a spaceship through, and that his pictures looked obviously faked. And uh, they are, kinda according to Merger himself. In a 1995 interview, he gave to Peter A. Jordan, he let it know that the photos were not real, at least in the sense that they were pictures of actual spacecraft. The photos, he said, were simply pictures of drawings that he had made of said spacecraft. So he basically he maintained that uh, these pictures were pictures, but they were pictures of drawings of the things that he said. That he had experienced. He also went on to say that at no point did he ever say that the photos were real to begin with. Other people said that, but uh, I don't know how much work he did on correcting them until 1995. Howard Merger passed away February 25th of 2009, and we never knew if he was a mere man or something else something else from the stars and that is a much shorter story but it's once again just that great 1950s just UFO just kitschiness that I love this one I have a lot more issues with uh, like I love all the Valiant Thor stuff I love the the weird story of it and the Venusians and you know, finding them on a rock. It's a great, fun story. I don't know how much credibility I can put into it. Those photos really get me. They're not great. Uh, you can look at the one I'm going to have in the show notes, and it just looks like it does. It looks like someone put a light behind a drawing and uh, took a picture of it and made a you know, and it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look convincing. I think that if he would have just presented drawings and never did photos, it would have come off actually more credible in my eyes than saying, uh, they were, pho- they were pictures, they were pictures of photos, but they were pictures. And I never said that they were real. Everybody else said they were real. I never said they were real. I have a big, I have a lot of problems with that. And, uh, I don't know, like, uh, one of these days, maybe I need to sit down and grab both those books and read through them and see what else is in there. How many, how many holes and how big were these holes in these stories? that were in these books, but this week I didn't have time to sit down and read a lot of books. But I want to mention, I got this story from the newest issue, which I don't know where it is, gotta find it, of Fate Magazine, uh, issue 737. has a kraken on the cover. Uh, and uh, I want to point out, and I don't know, I just found this very funny. It made me chuckle. This article in this, in this Fate Magazine is entitled the top 10 UFO contactee encounters or something like that. Uh, and when you flip to it, there's only five, there isn't 10. So I don't know if it's a typo or what, because in the in the contents, it just says top UFO contactees. But then the, the headline, when you go to the actual article says top 10, and then it gets to five. And then there's just 20 pages of ads, 10 pages of ads, something like that. And then it just goes into another article. No, like, this article picks back up on page blah, 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 blah. Or wait until issue 738 for the rest of it. Just half of the article isn't there. But there were five of them. The first one's George Adamski. So there were still four other ones that were uh, worth send down in about. And I think I'm going to pick one of those stories for the Backroads episode for this episode, which will come out next week on the Patreon. I don't know which one yet. I'll go through and... Finish reading them all up and pick one to do. I think that's it. I think that's what we're going to do. But yeah, I don't know about this one. I like the space pancakes way more. Like I said, this one is just a fun 50s story. Space pancakes, they just might be real. Maybe. I don't know. But there you go. That is the stories for this week from uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin. And... High Bridge, New Jersey. Fun stories. So let's take a uh, intermission here. I'll play some music. I'm gonna take a little break. We'll come back. I've got a couple of uh, your small town secrets, your real encounters to read, and then we'll come back and button up the show. And of course, it's almost Halloween. And now that I screwed up the schedule, this episode or the next episode after this would have come out on Halloween, but that isn't going to happen now because I have to push it back. But the least I could do was play Carpenter, which of course is my like homage to John Carpenter and the Halloween theme. So I'll probably do that every time around Halloween. Rather, uh, I don't care if I played it for the last episode or not. I don't remember what it was, but I'm playing it again this episode. And uh, like I said, no news. So scrap it for right now. But I have a couple of experiences coming from Reddit that I would like to share. They've been, I've banked them a while back and uh, it's time to put them on here and let everyone know. Two short, short encounters, but uh, I like both of them for their own little reasons. This first one is from uh, Lotzi Lowe. That's the username. And uh, they write, Background, located in New Orleans. I live close to a shut down children's hospital, which is very creepy just in itself. The first experience after being here for five years, we live in a townhome and my bedroom is on the top floor. Ida, the storm, the hurricane, just happened. We evacuated and didn't return until last week. Uh, this is probably, like I said, this has been, so it's been a little bit of time since I've had it, since I got around to sharing this but we didn't return until last week and we didn't have power. Damage had been taken care of and things are back in my life to semi-normal. This Wednesday, I'm brushing my teeth in our in-suite bathroom, hearing rasping and a knock on the door. I say, come in, thinking it's the mister and uh, nothing. I open the door and there's no one there. I open the bedroom door and then I hear the Mr. walk into our townhome. Get a bit spooked, but I brush it off. 20 minutes ago, so they had typed this. They had submitted this as this was going on. I'm in the living room, on my phone, TV on. The Mr. is outside. It's just us. I hear two empty beer bottles that the Mr. had placed their clink in the kitchen. I noped. And I went outside with him. Walked in, the bottles are spaced like six inches on the countertops. In order for them to clink, they would have need to have been grabbed. And like I said, that's very short, but uh, I think low-key, one of the creepiest noises they hear are two bottles clinking together, especially when there's no reason for two bottles to be clinking together like that especially when they're spaced apart on the sink, you know, and there's no one else around to clink these bottles together. It's, like I said, it's a very, you know, short story, but I think it has a little punch in it, and I really dug it, and I was glad we were able to share it on the show. So thank you, lots low the next one is from user snoofoofs4131. This does not happen every day or night, and definitely is not a dream or anything like that. I am always wide awake and just reading or watching TV in my room. To give you an idea of how my room and house is set up where I hear these voices, is I have a small bathroom right behind the wall where my headboard in my bedroom is, so I can hear very easily if someone is in there. I can easily make out my family's voices, or them turning on the water or to wash their hands, to shower, etc. And when I hear these voices, I am usually alone during the day in my home, during the day, not during the night. It's right behind me, and it sounds like deep female voices talking amongst themselves, not to me. as if there are people living in the vent <laughs> between me, and the bathroom. It never scares me for some reason. It's just crazy because it's not a fleeting voice. It will go on for minutes at a time, and I'll hold my ear to the wall, and it won't stop. I am just so curious because it's quiet, quiet, muted voices that I can't make out what they are saying. I have had paranormal issues with this house in the past, and have had it But that's a story for another day. I'm just bringing this up because it's been happening for the past few months. Has anyone else out there experienced anything similar? And, you know, there's some comments there about how, like, maybe it's just ambient noise from somewhere else or sound is traveling. I kind of thought for a little bit when I read this the first time and I got about halfway through it, if maybe... There's, like, a lot of EMF built up somewhere in the bathroom. Like, is it possible that there's a breaker box in, like, your linen closet or something weird like that that might cause a huge EMF wave to make you feel weird and maybe make you hallucinate some voices? But when you read on in the story and they talk about how, like, no, like, this goes on for minutes and I can hear it. I can't make out what they're saying. I don't think it's that because I feel like if it w- even if it was like a big EMF wave that was making you, it was like messing with your head a little bit, a, a f- going on for minutes at a time, is uh, I think a bit too much. I feel like it would be much more fleeting if it was something like that. And like I said, they they said they know. I know when people are taking a shower. I know what everyone's voices sound like. That is uh, spooky. That is you know, and the fact that it happens during the day and not the night. I found very interesting as well. At a I wish you could make out what they were saying. I wish you could make it have you ever like I don't know if the person I'm gonna I always tell people like hey it's gonna be in this episode, so maybe you'll come back and listen or I'll message you. Have you tried to like record it? Have you got like a decent little recorder and just like turned it on and duct taped it to the wall and just went, you know, and just see if you picked up anything? Maybe you should. Maybe you should try that out. And uh, get back with me and see what we get. But there you go, everyone. That has been a couple of your own small sound secrets for episode
1: 7.04. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: And there you go. That is a wrap on episode 7.04 please check out stscast.com. That is the hub for everything STScast. If you have a small town secret to share, UFO story, Bigfoot tale, true crime thing, or just weird, odd history, and you want to share on the show, the best way to get it to me is to go there, scroll down to the bottom of the main page, and you will find an email form that you can fill out and get in contact with me about it. Uh, You can just write something in, send me an article, or if you want to come on, we can record it off Skype or you can send in your own audio file and I can just plop it in here. A bunch of ways we can do it. We can figure it out. You will also find all the social media links at the bottom. Uh, links for the subreddits on there. Links for every pretty much everywhere the show can be found is on there. Uh, the Twitter, which is where I'm most active, is at uh, STSCast. The show is on Facebook at STSCast.fb and it's on Instagram at stscast.gram. So those are all the social medias that you can also find me, interact with me, give me your story through there as well, if you want. Other way, other things you can find on the website, show notes, sources, uh, some pictures. I do have to do some updating on that. I will get to it this week and get, I think I, think I have to do last episode and now I'm going to have to do this episode, but I'll get it. You can also find uh, a bunch of ways to support the show on stscast.com there are links to uh merchandise on there if you want to grab a shirt or a coffee mug or a sticker or a phone case it's all on there you can get it there is uh links to the patreon if you would like to subscribe to the patreon and get all that content and there's also just like a a paypal donation if you just want to throw like a one-time uh bone in the bucket if you will other ways to support the show that are not necessarily financial Uh, Just rate it and review it on your podcatcher of choice, especially if it's iTunes. That's the one that really makes the show bubble to the top and get it noticed. And really, just tell a friend. If everybody that listens to the show gets one more person to listen to the show, then we automatically double the show's audience. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's the show I am out for the week. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone for supporting until episode 705, which is going to be True Crime Night number seven. uh, I'll be back. Remember until then that every town has a secret. What is yours?